Ephesians 6. Again, by the way, prioritizing the Lord and prioritizing church, starting your week out right, is always a good step, isn't it? And the Lord will bless you accordingly. And so keep that in mind. Ephesians chapter number 6. Well, in the month of March, uh, as we usually do, I try to, I always like to talk about our duty as a soldier for Christ. And uh, doing, going along with the march and the marching and everything that has to do. But marching on is our theme or our title for this month. And so we're going to look at that as we go forward. Now, uh, Ephesians chapter number 6, we're going to look at this, if you will. Verse number 10, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Now, underline that word, His, because often we get sidetracked and think it's our might, it's our strength. Verse 11, put on the whole armor, not part, but whole, of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Why? Well, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereinto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Now, as we look at this this morning, uh, I'm sure a familiar portion of Scripture to you. As you've studied this before, and we've gone through this with the kids, uh, again with putting on the whole armor of God and going through that whole thing, but I want to encourage you to truly study this as we go through it this month about what the armor of God is. Now, thinking about this, we are equipped this morning for the battle. We're equipped. Now, Paul writes this letter to the church, and he instructs them specifically to put on this armor that is, notice, provided by the Lord. Let me say that again. The equipment has been provided. It is up to us to apply it. Aren't you glad we don't got to go look for the armor? Well, what kind of weapon should I get, Lord? You know. What, what, should I, what should I wear? I don't know what to wear. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. What does he say? Go over there. There's all the equipment you need. Put it on. That's all our responsibility is, friends, is to put on the armor. Now, that ought to bring relief to you. Great relief. Okay? So applying it, number one. We think about today that a young man or woman, some of you are uh, veterans, uh, some of you have uh, done your service in the United States military. And on day one, you showed up, at least I think you did, you showed up, and you said what? I'm here, and this is what I brought with me. Will this suffice? Will this work? I brought a sword with me, and I went ahead and bought, brought my steel-toe work boots and, and some shorts. Will that work? What do they say? No. And then they say, shut up, right? <laughs> what do they say? No. They actually take everything you brought and put it over in a bag somewhere for you later to get, in a locker somewhere, and they what? Supply you with everything. Right, Miss Michelle? Is that right? They give you everything you need. And they give you the clothing. They give you the boots. 
They give you the armor. They give you the equipment, right? And you're to put it on. Now they show you how to put it on, and they show you how to wear it, and they show you what to do from the next however many months of your boot camp and other things. Now you and I must understand this again. Very clear to us. We've been given everything, but you know what some Christians try to do? They try to come up with their own armor. They try to come up with their own protection. They try to come up with their own weaponry. Does that ever work? No. Well, I'll defeat the devil with this. I'll go ahead and make sure our marriage survives by doing this. I'll go ahead and see that our kids are raised right by doing it this way. Well, you better come back and find out what the book says, right? Amen? We do what God told us to do in the Bible. We follow the Scripture. And my friends, although following the Scripture can be very difficult at times, can be very challenging at times, you're going against the grain, and the world doesn't like that. I want to say something. There is a guarantee you will be successful if you follow this book. It's not an if, and, or but. It's a guarantee. You and I will be successful if we follow this written word. Now, thinking about this this morning, Paul brings out to this church, by the way, you study church history, you know this church had a lot of problems. A lot of problems, didn't they? They were continuously attacked. They were continuously persecuted by the people in their very own city because they no longer followed the false gods and the pagan idolatry. Now they're serving the living God. You and I, prior to our salvation, served a pagan God. We served idolatry. We served money. We served uh, whatever, materialism, other things like that. Now we serve the living and true God. He tells the church at Thessalonica that you turned from idols to serve the living and true God. Now Paul reiterates this in Romans 12. And he says you are to present yourself or your body a living sacrifice. For the reason, for what? To know that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Do you know the will of God today? Most people don't. I don't know what God wants me to do. Well, if you would present yourself to Him and say, Lord, here am I. Take and use me. What do you want me to do? He will show you. And He'll show you according to, number one, the Word of God and also the Holy Spirit's moving. But He says, present your bodies a living sacrifice. Now note with me in that, Romans 12... He does not say, bring all of your good qualities. Bring all of your good accolades. Show me all the medals on your chest that you received in combat. No. What's he say? Present your body. We say, Lord, I ain't got much to give you. Just me. <laughs> and God says, well, that's what I want. That's what I want. Do you know God does his best work with people like me? <laughs> Do you know God does his best work with churches like ours? You find throughout Scripture, God never goes and uses in a mighty way. Sometimes He will, but not usually. The big, popular, and wealthy people, necessarily. Those that submit themselves to God, He will use. But you notice, God uses people like us. God uses churches like ours. On the backside of the mountain. Over here. You think about it. So friends, don't allow that to discourage you from serving God, from discourage you from not serving Him properly or presenting yourself. You and I will allow our shortcomings, insufficiencies, insecurities, and everything else stop us from serving God. And that's exactly what God's looking for. Is that amazing? That's what the Bible says. 
Well, I would serve you, Lord, but, but I, I, I don't speak well. I heard a story of a man, he, all of his life, he grew up in church, but all of his life, he had a hearing problem from a, from a little boy, had a hearing problem. He couldn't hear properly. And so he struggled, and he went through all the problems and the kids poking fun at him, and he got to adulthood, and he had that insecurity all the time that he couldn't hear very well, and he, he would squint, you know, and listen real carefully. He tried to cover it over the years, and not. he went through and got hearing aids and other things, but nothing really helped. And finally, he came to his pastor, and he said, Pastor, I have this, inabil- this, this disability, and I don't know what to do with it. It's done nothing but hinder me. And the pastor said, well, we do have a ministry uh, for the deaf and hard of hearing. Nobody's running it. You think you could fill in? You think you could help? He said, no, no, pastor, I can't do that. After some time, he finally gave in. He said, okay, I'll, I'll try and help out, but I don't know how good I'll be. Today, that small little group of three deaf people that he started has now surpassed the entire church. They're larger than the church. Isn't that amazing? That his little group of three people now are, I, th- I believe, in the 200-some people, surpassing the entire congregation in number. Because one man took his inability or his disability and used it and said, I'll, you know, God wants to use that. Again, I've gave, given the message before, but when he comes to Moses, he says, well, m- remember Moses, oh, I can't do this. I'm not good. Will you send someone with me? I can't do this. And then God says, well, what's in your hand? He says, this old staff? That's all I, the staff that I use with the sheep? What's he saying? What do you have in your hand? That's what I want. What do you have right now? That's what I want to use. Now, again, let's get back here to the text. As we see, Paul says, apply the armor. Now, first of all, I I have to say this. Our duty primarily is the application. We must apply. We have all that we need to withstand the adversary and advance in our marching forward. We have all that we need. My friends, you will not defeat Satan on your own. So many people try that. You will not be successful against our adversary with your own armor. You'll be defeated very quickly. You will be destroyed very quickly. We have an adversary that is real and that is more powerful than anybody else and any other military and any other power or spirit out there besides the Holy Spirit. We know that, okay? So for us to go at him and to try and defeat him or even just withstand his attacks on our own, we're going to fail every single time. So what's our duty? It's the application. Now this application is a personal duty. No one can walk with God for you. No one can apply the armor for you. Now, as parents, we have a duty, and grandparents, you have a duty as well. We know that. To help the kids, in essence, apply their armor, right? We try and protect them. We try and keep them from watching and listening to certain things. We try and keep them away from evil people. We try and help them and encourage them in their Bible study and when they get to the age of reading and so on. We try and help them in developing a prayer life and other things. We especially get them into church, right? Key. Now, those are the things we do. But you and I must understand, no one can walk for you. Number two, no one can be pure for you. Nobody can be, what I'm saying, right with God for you. Now, your spouse may help you. you know. Your spouse may encourage you, which we should. 
we may have people around us like a pastor or a friend or a mentor or somebody that can help us in our spiritual walk. And praise God for those people. But I want to say something. No one else can be pure and right with God for you, and nobody can walk with God for you. We must understand that. No one can influence the people around you but you. No one can play your role in life but you. And then we know ultimately you will give account for you. I'll give account for me, right? I think too many people believe that somebody else will give account. No, you'll give account. Now, as we think about this, Paul will say in a later portion, he'll say, when I was a child, what? I spake as a child, I acted like a child, I, I cried like a child, I desired certain things as a child. But when I became a man, what is he saying? When I became a spiritually mature person, I put away childish things. I put away the things that are childish, that are immature. I can't tell you, myself at the top, how often I fail at being mature in my faith. But I've talked to 65-year-old men that have the emotions of a 15-year-old. I've talked to 75-year-old ladies who have the emotions of an 18-year-old, right? And you think about that. He says, I put away childish things. Now, you and I are to clothe ourselves and we feed ourselves, Lord willing, you do. And then we come to that stage of life, of maturity. And that applies to us, again, spiritually as well. We are to feed ourselves. We are to clothe ourselves. I feel sorry for the Christian who hasn't opened his Bible since last Sunday. I truly do. I feel sorry for the Christian who has not opened their Bible since Wednesday or whenever we last got together. Who's not prayed since the last service that we had here. We think about today, friends. You and I should apply. Notice what he says in verse 11. Put on. Put on. It's a personal priority. It's a personal problem. There's the priority to put it on. It's personal, but it's also a problem. Notice what he says. Put on the whole armor of God, verse 11. That ye may be able. Now he's talking to a church in general, but we know it's a personal application. That ye may be able. Or why? Against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not. We must understand this, the Bible speaks to the individual. The Bible speaks to you personally. And the armor, I love this, is one size fits all. The armor of God is one size fits all. You remember the story of David? And his first real moment to shine in front of the whole nation, what does he do? They say there's a giant down in the valley, and he's cursing and cussing God. He says, well, why aren't we doing anything about it? They said, well, we are. He's just bigger than us. <laughs> we are. We're trying, but we don't know what to do. And there's a thousand sermons and all of that right there. And all these rough and gruff and hardened soldiers, what are they doing? They're cowering in the tent. Well, what, what do we do? The Bible says Saul, the king, was scared. Uh, what do we do? Right? And here comes a little shepherd boy. Small, young guy. Probably in his teens, we believe. And then he makes a statement. Is there not a cause? We'll say, yeah, David, there's a cause. But man, I ain't going down there. You're crazy. And what's he do? Well, I'll go. And I say, okay. Now, you must understand, everyone there believed, without a shadow of a doubt, David was going to be hamburger meat. They all knew he was going to die. 
And those cowards sent that young boy anyways. They were a bunch of jerks. You remember his older brothers? Why don't you go back and feed those little measly sheep? What are you doing over here? Right? They have enough to... By the way, pe- people in your life that are critical and hurtful, they have enough to say about you with their words, very critical and mean-spirited, but they have no guts, don't they? They're weak. They talk a lot with their mouth, but they're weak. They have no integrity. They have no strength. They have none of that. Okay, remember that. Now, what do they say? So David says, okay. And Saul says, well, before you go, at least put on the armor. I mean, he at least gave him a little bit of a shot, didn't he? (sighs) If he goes down with no armor, I'm going to get in trouble. So he says, well, to cover my hide, at least give him the armor and a sword and everything else, and then send him down there. At least send him down there. And David goes down there, and what's he do? He gets down there, puts on the armor and the helmet and, and the things and the sword, and, and he starts drag. It's too heavy, right? He's, I can't do this. He says, fooey on this. He dumps all that stuff, and he says, I'm going to go anyways. Okay, David, what you going to take with you? At least take a dagger. Nah. Take a bow and arrow. Nah. I'll just grab a couple smooth stones out of the brook here with my little slingshot. The greatest story ever told. The world today, unsaved world, uses this story in big Fortune 500 company business meetings. The David and Goliath story. Well, men, we can defeat this and we can come out on top the end of the year. And they give the story, don't they? You think about it. David put on the armor that was given to him. It didn't fit. That wasn't his armor. You put on this armor, it's one size fits all. Now that's good right there, ain't it? That's one size fits all. What does this mean? We have no excuse why we can't apply it. We have no excuse. I've talked to men. They said, Brother Tim, I failed again. I screwed up again. What should I do? And in no uncertain terms, I said, did you apply the armor? Well, no. I forgot to do that. I didn't do what I should have done. What is he saying? Well, I have an excuse why I didn't apply. No, my friend. It's one size fits all. You put it on. You put it on. Will this fit me, Lord? He says, yep, it'll fit. Is the Bible sufficient? Yep, it's sufficient. Does the Bible have errors in it? Nope. doesn't have errors. People that say it has errors have never read the book. Does the Bible have insufficiencies in it? Nope. Does it have discrepancies in it? Nope. Do I have all that I need? Yes. Am I part of the church, the right church? Yes. Am I where I'm supposed to be? I hope you are. You follow the book. You follow the word. Now we see the personal problem. He said that you may be able to stand. Satan doesn't attack us necessarily in large groups, although he does attack the church. What does he do individually? If he can get just one person to cause problems in the church, that's what he'll do. If he can get one person to get upset, get angry, get frustrated... And by the way, a lot of the problems come from fellow Christians, don't they? Hey, I get along much better with unsaved people, don't you? <laughs> I, it's just the problem. That's who, and the common denominator is me, by the way. Okay, I'm the problem. Now, Satan attacks us. Satan knows what you're into. And he tempts us with what appeals to us. And he attempts us, or tempts us excuse me, with what we've been exposed to. And in Galatians chapter 1, Paul writes to the churches there and says, Who has hindered you? Who's hindered you from following? Who stopped you from following what what you're supposed to be doing? What happened? (laughs) Well, Satan came. He tempts us. 
with what appeals to us. He tempts us and encourages us to do those things that we find pleasurable. We want. What do we do? Put on the armor. The armor. We put it on. Now we'll get into this in a couple weeks here. In more detail of each aspect of the armor, Lord willing. But we see the armor. We stand. Our loins girt about with truth. And we say, no, that's not right. By the way, there's one thing that is truth. Again, I know I'm beating a dead horse here, but it's the Bible. It's the truth. I'm looking for the truth. They came to Jesus on several occasions and said, what is truth? He said, I am truth. What is truth? Jesus would point back to what? The book, the scriptures, didn't he? And he stands before that great scene of his trial and his arrest. And he stands before the most powerful man in the land of Pilate. And Pilate says, what is truth? When truth incarnate stood in front of him. But isn't that the world today? What is truth? What are they doing? They're just making excuses for not believing in this book, following the Lord, and doing things God's way. They want to keep doing it their way in a perverted, nasty way of this world. That's what they're doing. What is truth? Who's hindered you from following the truth? Well, we know who it is. It's our adversary. Verse 12. For we wrestle not. That word wrestle means to twist. You know what it means. To get into a scuffle with. To battle against. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Now Peter will say in 2 Peter, at the very end of his book, he'll say, there are some that rest, W-R-E-S-T, rest the scriptures. Meaning they twist the scriptures. To what? Fit their own theology. How many on TV today do that? On the internet, do that. They twist the Bible to fit their own ideology, their own theology. And he says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. And by the way, remember that. We don't wrestle against people. We don't argue with people. What is it? It's a spiritual warfare. It's always there. And it will always be there till the day you die. But against those things. Now let me say application must be complete and not partial. We must be complete in this. It's not that you take the helmet of salvation one day and leave your vital organs exposed. No, no. See, you get up and apply all of the armor. See what he said? Put on the whole armor of God. Well, I struggle with this sin, but brother, I know I'm saved. The helmet of salvation. Well, I, 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 I'm living for the Lord and I'm trying to do what's right, but I just don't know what God wants me to do. I don't know the will of God. Where's the breastplate of righteousness? Or I go to church and I'm faithful and I love the Lord, but I don't share the gospel or try and invite anyone to church or share my faith with other people. Your feet shod. Your feet covered with the gospel. You think about it, right? It's complete. There's complete consciousness. We stand against the wiles of the devil. Earlier in chapter 5 and verse 15, he says that we are to walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Circumspectly means we are having and look around, have a 360 degree view of our lives. We don't walk with blinders on as the horses do. Why do they do that? Because those horses will see stuff sparkly and shiny and get spooked. They try and keep that horse focused going down the parade, don't they? He says walk circumspectly. And we know that. One of the biggest challenges for me in my life is that I, don't, I fail to do that often. 
But I, I know what to do. Okay, I got this handled. I got this handled. We got this going. But I'm blind to something over here and I miss it. You didn't take care of that. I know what I'm supposed to do, A, B, and C, but I failed in this area. And by the way, that's what he's talking about. Now, let me emphasize this. The armor does not cover every square inch of your body, does it? Well, that's in fact what they used to do in the old days. They trained the soldiers to fire at the vital places. So that armor, you can think about a breastplate of righteousness. It would come down. But there's some of the armpit area that's exposed, probably. You put on the helmet. You put on other things. We know that. But there's some of the neck that's exposed. Right? It doesn't cover every square inch of your body. Well, what do we do then? Because if the devil's got precision and he's got us in his crosshairs, what do we do? We think about it. That's why he says walk circumspectly. The Proverbs talk repeatedly by the wisest man that ever lived, wrote the Proverbs. And yet he, didn't apply, he did not apply this himself, sadly, did he? Solomon. But he says what? Let thine eyes look straight ahead and be aware of what's going on around you. Did you know you could be focused on the Lord and yet still be knowledgeable and have peripheral vision of what's going on around you? That's called walking circumspectly. So we are prepared. And something so fascinating that I found. When these soldiers, we could think of back in the Middle Ages, they would see an attack coming. They didn't stand up like this because some of the things weren't covered that we talked about. They would actually cower down like this. And they'd cover the armpit area and they'd cover, put their chin down and cover the neck area with that helmet that came down about here. What were they doing? They were preparing. They were preparing. We don't put the armor on and just walk around. Okay, take your best shot. Can't hurt me. Take your best shot. Ain't going to happen with me. You can't hurt me. No, no, my friends. The adversary's looking. Now what are we doing? We're preparing for the battle. The armor is helpful, absolutely. <clears throat> but we must maintain a constant awareness of the spiritual warfare. In chapter 5, verse 14, he says, Awake thou that sleepest. And in verse 16, he says, Redeem the time, for the days are evil. You see what he's getting at? Awake, thou that sleepest. Get awake. Wake up to the spiritual warfare around you. And if you're not in a battle right now, you're going to be in one real soon. You're either coming into a battle, you're in the middle of a battle, or you're about to get into one. There's no other options. I know it sounds kind of tragic, but there's no other options. It sounds discouraging, but there's no other options. And the quicker you realize that, and the quicker you digest that, the better of a Christian you'll be. Because you see the arrows coming this way, but you forgot about the guy shooting this way, go right through your neck. Oops. <laughs> Remember the old toy? Did you have the toy with the arrow that you put on your head and it looked like it shot? Remember those? Doink. No, you're ready. You're prepared against the day of battle. Okay, let me get through a few more here. We have the comfort that we can stand. We're to be sober and vigilant, Peter says. Sober. Sober. Vigilant. Aware, awake. They would keep vigils throughout the night. You know that, the watches that they would keep. They were sober. Again, one of the biggest things that an adversary uses for us is to get us inebriated. The opposite of sober. And it comes through various forms. You know, we know that. Tobacco, alcohol, drug use, pornography, other things like that. What's he doing? He's trying to get us inebriated. Get us away from something. 
And how do you know in that one little moment when you, in a lapse of judgment, in a lapse of armor application, do you think the adversary's stupid? Do you think he's not seeing? No, that's exactly when he's waiting to strike. That's exactly when he's trying to get you off. One incident. One little incident. I've talked to people after people after people. The marriages are destroyed. Why? One little incident happened. Right? And then it snowballed. One little thing. I'm just saying today, friends, we don't have to be susceptible. We don't have to be another statistic. We don't have to be another wayward soldier on the side of the road. Now, complete comfort. We can stand, okay? We stand against these things. Again, the blood, flesh, we don't wrestle flesh and blood. Verse 12, against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of the world, spiritual wickedness in high places. By the way, remember that, okay? We don't serve this world. We have the wonderful ability in the freedom of our country to vote and to do other things like that. Praise God we get to do that. That's a privilege. But we must understand there's spiritual wickedness in high places. The principalities and people that run the world and the country okay, usually are very wicked. We know that. Verse 13, wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. To stand. Okay, um, we have the Word of God. I must skip that point and keep going here. But we have a duty. Now, our duty is to stand. I want you to notice this with me, and we'll close it out. Do you notice it says we're not to necessarily fight? Now, Paul says, I fought a good fight. I finished my course Okay, with joy, he says. And I'm now ready to what? Enter into the presence of the Lord. So we are to stand. We are to fight in that regard. But notice what this text says. We're to stand. You hear preachers, well, you just go after the devil. You know, you charge hell with a squirt gun. Friends, you're fighting a losing battle. Okay, He's going to destroy you. What do we do? We stand. You mean we just stand and don't do anything? Yeah, we stand. You put the armor on and you stand. You don't go backwards. You don't compromise. You don't stop being spiritual. Well, I used to. I used to go to church three times a week. I used to read my Bible every morning. How did that, how's that panned out for you? For me, it doesn't work very well. We used to pray every night. We used to give to the church. We used to, right? No, you're going backwards. He says, stand, go ahead and stand. Whatever you need to do is where I stand. Martin Luther made a tremendous statement. He said, here I stand. I can do no other. They were getting ready to cut his head off. He said, here I stand. This is what I stand on. This is the doctrine I stand on. And that doctrine, by the way, was an, uh, an expressed, open denial of the Pope. We don't kiss the feet of the Pope. We don't believe in the Pope. He's not the vicar of Christ, God's voice, peace on earth. I don't know what you believe, but I hope you don't believe that. We believe in what's called the priesthood of the believer. Every believer is a priest in his own right, and we have access to God. Okay, now, anyways, that was for free. <laughs> Let me close it up. We're to stand. Standing requires trusting in God, not in ourselves. Not engage in a battle with the enemy. Not going out and seeking him out. What do we do? We stand. Hey, he's going to come to you anyways. As soon as you open this book up in the morning, you just put a red laser on your forehead. You just put a target on your back. You ain't got to call him out. Satan, I defeat you. No, he's already there. And he puts little, by the way, it's not a, usually, 
usually it's not big things. What's he do? Just little irritation, doesn't he? He's an irritant. And I love the Old Testament prophet. <clears throat> he says, when we see Satan one day, we're going we're gonna to be in shock. We're going to say, this is Satan? This little guy is the one that's been against us? This is him? Because he's not some big, muscular, red, pitchfork guy, right? We're going to find out. Do you know your Bibles? You know that, don't you? I hope you do. We stand, and he's going to do things that irritate us and bother us and hurt us and wound us if he can. Standing. Standing. We stand against a foe that can destroy us in a millisecond. Therefore, we know that God allows warfare. He knows how much we can handle. We trust He is capable. He, capital H-E, He is capable. We must not forget we are on the winning side. Paul says in chapter 1, verse 19 of Ephesians, exceeding greatness of His power. 1 Peter 1, verse 5, we are kept by the power of God. And if you have the power of God, that's a capital P, power. That's all you need. That's all you need. And He came and He said to Peter, Satan's desired you that he may sift you like wheat. How'd you like that to be said to you? That's a scary, scary thought. But you and I today, my friends, let me remind you, Satan is looking to sift you like wheat. If he can, he wants to. And if you don't want God, and you don't want to be a part of Him, and you don't want this book, and you don't want what God's given, listen, you don't have to have it. God is a gentleman. He never twists our arms to serve Him. Never. He doesn't twist our arms to get saved, does He? He puts it continually in front of us out of His grace and mercy. He's not willing that any should perish, but He doesn't twist our arms, force us into something. No. Why? He wants us to respond out of our own volition, our own will, respond to that love. And there's a beautiful relationship. Now, thinking about this, He is capable. It's His power. We trust in Him and the armor He has provided. Can I say and ask you this morning, have you applied the armor of God? Are you aware of the spiritual warfare and the battle that's existing around you? The Lord knows exactly what we can handle. Standing relies ultimately upon that armor, relies upon what He's provided, relies upon the quality of equipment. Let me say again, this is not made in China. Amen? This armor is not made in China. Praise God for that. You buy that China junk, you know. I bought some the other day and I said, man, this is a nice tool. I got a good deal on it. I wonder why. <laughs> I flipped it over. M-I-C, made in China. No. Well, maybe, it'll, maybe, you know, maybe. I went, no, it already broke. I knew it. Waste of money. Your armor's legit, man. Too legit to quit. It's good. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. Relies upon the reality of the warfare. Okay, I'll wrap it up right there. And we're going to look at this, Lord willing, in a few weeks as we continue. But we say here, our duty is to advance with the armor. That means move ahead. We advance. We advance. Going forward. No, notice verse 18 here. We'll, we'll close it. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Do you see that? Persevering. We persevere. We go forward. We advance. We don't stand still, necessarily. And we don't go backwards. We stand. 
we take on what comes our way, but we know what we have in Him. I must stop there. You see the advancement. Let me encourage you this week. Go ahead and advance forward for the Lord. Go ahead and do it. Make sure you get that armor on. Make sure you're where you're supposed to be. And I want you to study this next week, the aspects of the armor. You said, oh, I've done that a thousand times, Brother Tim. Do it again. It'll help you. Study the different pieces of the armor and say, well, I have the helmet of salvation. I know I'm saved. But you know what? The breastplate of righteousness, I haven't been applying. No, the righteousness, it's covering the vital organs. The, the vital organs. Your heart can be very deceptive. That's why Solomon says in Proverbs 28, a fool trusts his own heart. And the adages of today, trust your heart. Pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. Go with your gut feeling. Wrong. We go by what the Bible says and what the Holy Spirit leads us to do. Okay? So again, we go forward with every piece of armor. Are you marching on for Christ? I hope you are. Far too many Christians today, myself included, often are stagnant and stale when we should be moving forward in victory. And we have the victory in Him. All right. Would you stand with me this morning?